welcome to Conversations with Crystal. I am your hostess, Crystal, and this evening's special guest is Glenn Way. Hey, Glenn, how are you going today? G'day, Crystal. I'm going very well, thanks. Oh, I'm really pleased to hear that. It's a real pleasure to talk with you tonight, Glenn. You know, you're one of those gentlemen that's a real gentleman and uh, I love watching you play and hearing you sing and all the things that you do for other musicians as well. It's really very inspiring. Oh, well, you are very kind. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. So tonight there's a load of things that I'd like to talk with you about and uh, I know you've got heaps of stories for me, so start getting those ready. <laughs> <laughs> So at the moment, Glenn, what is the main thing that you do? Uh, well, that's a good question. Um, the main thing I probably do is uh, is live sound these days. So I do a lot of uh, mixing and so forth for, for bands. And, and when I'm not doing that, um, I'm hopefully playing in the Fud Brothers or with my uh, friend Paul Hode in the Death Frets. And up until recently, we were doing kind of an Elvis thing as well, but that's uh, that's finished up just recently. So we're we're probably looking to uh, do more and more with the fuds now that we're all got the the space to get back into it. Oh, that's good. So the fuds, how many uh, musicians are in that group? <laughs> that's a very good question. The fuds are a little bit elastic. Yeah. Um, the fuds started off in Lithgow, we think, in around about 1983. So we're, uh, we'd love to say we're Lithgow's oldest running band, but I think we're not. We know a couple that have been together longer, but we started off in Lithgow, a few mates of mine, uh, and so that we would have been, a, you know, a, a standard old uh, four-piece rock band. I think at one stage we did have a girl singer. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, eventually, JB, uh, our drummer, became our, our front man, and we've been sort of trying to get him off the drums and out front for the last 40 odd years he, he likes <laughs> fine he's got you know the rhythm in him so he likes being on the drums so we um we we can do john and i have done gigs as the two of us and more recently you know with our mate graham keithney we've been doing three-piece work mm-hmm. uh, you know our greatest claim to fame really is that we can play quietly <laughs> oh good yeah uh, be surprised at the, the number of places that ask if you can do that. So uh, sometimes we get gigs because we can, you know, play at a level that suits the venue, and uh, um, and then if we have to, we get, you know, we get more people in. So we've started back playing with a real drummer. We've been doing sort of a three piece with John on percussion and, and Cajon kind of thing, uh, which was great fun and probably still is our most fun thing because you can just go wherever. It the goes, song- yeah. Bases, which is funny places at times, but so that works good. And we, you know, we all know each other so well. And you know, Graham and I play together so much now with Champagne Jam. And John, I've been, you know, I shared a house with him back in 1980 something or other. So, oh my goodness! You know, playing when we're not playing, we're still playing at home because that's that's what we do for fun, I guess, is play music. So you know, at the moment, um, we've probably got our next gigs with a drummer, so we'll have. You know, bass, guitars, keys, drums, and a singer. So that's probably the biggest we've been for a while. So. Oh, that's fabulous! And when about is that, Glenn? Oh, that one. I think that is a good question. I think it's the uh, grand final day, which will be the first of October. Oh, cool! 
it's the Sunday afternoon at uh, Erkin, er, Erkinville. Erskineville. Erskineville, yeah. Yeah, at the it's a great fun afternoon. It's sort of outside gig, and uh, you know, there's from four or five year olds up to to eighty year olds, I guess, turn up. So, and um, the, the fuds do play a lot of old stuff, but people seem to know it. So, it kind of works. It's great for those occasions where there's a whole uh, mix of people, and John's pretty good at at entertaining the kiddies, and he has them. You know, eating out of his hand as the as the afternoon progresses, and he's good with, with the older people. Well, <laughs> I was just going to ask one. that. Do you find that the kiddies get up and dance around? And yeah, young kids are so great because they not you know they don't go on you know I'm into punk. Sorry, don't like this stuff. They just like music. I think at that age, so it's just great. And and you know, kids are drawn to microphones and guitars and yeah. drums. Yes, drums. yes. It's easy if I think if um, you know if that was our target group, all you need to do is have a microphone and a drum, and they'd be they'd be standing around <laughs> wanting to have a turn. <laughs> they probably would. And what kind of music do you guys play? That's a great question. That that it's hard. To, uh, a friend of ours, AJ, who who, uh, who was booking bands for a while at, at Dundas, described us as quirky pop songs. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but we play, you know, we we used to be really a lot of Beatles and Stones and Eagles and that sort of thing. But as we've gotten older, the songs have gotten older, and I think we found a little bit of a niche playing old stuff. So it's <laughs> not old rock; it's old. I guess it's old pop. But you know, we we play. We've got a Neil Sedaka song in the lineup. We, you know, we. Oh wow, that's a cool. So, uh, um, and all those old. Frankie Lane and people like that who did, you know, out there songs, uh, you know, at the, the time like Rawhide and stuff like that. So, you know, all that stuff sort of comes out on occasion as well as, you know, there's, I guess there's some Beatles, but there's just a lot of sort of, I guess it's 60s and 70s pop, uh, you know, songs that people forgot that they liked really, I guess, like, you know, Love Grows Where My Rosemary Goes and things like that. Which, oh, um, do you, you know, know people, I, love I love that song. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and it's not on the Champagne Jam list. Well, we could do it because we have chart for that one. So it's Oh, you know, well, it's, book me in for that. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> song and you'd probably be able to do the key change. It does do a key change. Yes, it does. I can, yes. I've been um, wanting to do that for months and I've looked and looked on there and I thought, oh, no, we're going to have to do a chart for it. So you've taken that pressure away from me. Thank you. <laughs> no, we've definitely got one for that and we, we like playing it. It's oh, that's, that's fantastic. So, Glenn, um, now when you're playing, you said you've got a big cross-section of people that come to the gigs with, uh, with the fabulous fuds. Now, <laughs> do you tailor, do you kind of read the crowd and go, oh, okay, there's some older ladies here so we might play that Neil Sedaka stuff and that earlier, earlier stuff, or you don't do that so much? You just go with a set list or you just we, go off? Well, who's playing with us when there's three of us we can we can do that like you go oh these people have asked for this song let's go there and i guess what happens sometimes is gigs take on a life of their own and songs seem to just come to you yes (laughs) just sometimes you need to know i played this and while you're playing that you're going oh we're going to play this next and it it sort of works out that way but we do have a set list i mean the (laughs) fun so we've been playing for so long we've got so many songs you know and um 
we can pull most of them out on the spot, I guess, and, and do them. But when new people come, they don't like all the surprises of doing that. But, you know. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's, I think we decided years ago that you can't please everybody. So focus on the stuff that you like to play. And if you look like you're liking it, everybody seems to like it as well. So it's, you know, you know, everyone worries, oh, our songs, are, they're too heavy or they're too light or they're too fast or they're too slow. Well, yeah. you know of the day you play what you're good at and and you know that's all you can do so we're really lucky that everyone says gee they're really old but then they start dancing to them you know so yeah and I think you know you hit the nail on the head is if you look like you're having fun and you're enjoying yourself then the crowd's going to go wow look at these people they love what they're doing and it makes them feel happy too exactly yeah yeah that's true I mean you know our favorites they like like things like pretty woman and that just you know, or, or Brown Eye Girl, which we don't play too much, but people just, that's a trigger for most people to get up and dance. It's quite funny the, the <laughs> song make them get up. <laughs> <laughs> they can't help themselves. So, Glenn, how many uh, songs in your repertoire do you reckon that you've got? Uh, oh, goodness. Look, there'd probably be 100. And, you know, we've got a lot of favourites that we like to do all the time, so we keep those in. So, you know, pre-COVID, we were trying to, you know, to to make sure that every time we played, it felt like a different set of songs. Okay. Even though you always keep, you know, you always have a few go-tos. And, and JB, our singer's hilarious. He always has his favourite, which which is quite different from week to week. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's my favourite, you know, that's my favourite, so... So, you know, and, and look, we like quirky stuff. Like there's stuff, um, um, a band called The Amazing Rhythm Aces, which uh, I think most of those guys have, have passed on now, but they did some fantastic stuff. And I can't even describe their genre because they sort of cover a lot. They're pretty country rocky type things. And, you know, we do songs, a couple of their songs. One of them is called Third Rate Romance, which, you know, is, is about a guy, you know, sneaking off to a motel for an affair. But it's... <laughs> Song. and you know yeah. it's we sort of promoted as a beautiful love song and of course it's not but it, it's you know it's just it's just uh some songs like people will come up to us and say oh you should do that that's a fud song you know um sometimes they're they're weird songs like um um do you know the way to san jose or um <laughs> but people um, love those that's the funny thing isn't they, it oh, they do yeah. yeah yeah and they're not songs that you hear you know what no. I mean? There's so much, um, so many rock groups around and so much rock music that yeah. they're happy to hear something a little different. Yeah, no, and that, that kind of works for us. And, um, you know, it's surprising because we thought by now, you know, because we were playing, we felt like we were playing old stuff when we were kids, you know, like this. <laughs> I guess we're playing Beatles and Stones and those guys were. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, they, those bands are timeless, truly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, timeless. Now, Glenn, I would like to ask, uh, you've been working with Graham for a fair while now. Do you find that you guys have like a telepathy? <laughs> um, you know that what each other's going to do and how you're going to play and what your thought is for the next song or when you can improvise like that? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it, it does. But it's true, um, the more you play with someone, the more that sort of just happens, I think. But we've... Um, yeah, we've, we've become just quite good at playing with each other and uh, I guess and um, I think it's partly about 
when you're not playing, you know, so you're not treading over each other's toes or, you know, you're not fighting each other for parts. But we uh, we get on well. And even when he plays a lot of bass with the fuds rather than guitar, so it still, still seems to just work well. You know, you come across people like that and you just click musically and yeah. And we keep finding songs and he goes, oh, you know that song? I go, yeah, you know that song? He goes, yeah. He plays in rock bands, but, he, you know, he, he likes other types of music as well. So uh, so we get on. He loves all the stuff that the Fuds play. Yeah. And it's been funny. Before Graham, uh, when we were in Lithgow, there was a lovely guitarist named Alan Olliman who was the radio announcer at the, the station as well. And he was the best musician in town and he wanted to play with us. Um, we go, mate, why do you want to play with us? He said, well, I love you guys uh, and it's so much fun. I don't have to rehearse and you let me play whatever I want. <laughs> and, uh, um, and we're going, okay. <laughs> but yeah, what it was that, you know, he, guitarists, it's hard work learning someone else's solos, but it's not so hard just improvising your own kind of stuff. That's and he true. So unbelievable, and we were just, you know, it was a thrill to play with him, and we all sort of, you know, learned and grew, and 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 he was the loveliest guy. He'd, he'd walk over and start tuning your guitar while you were playing, and things like, <laughs> and drive home without his headlights on, and sneak up behind you, and suddenly turn his headlights. And he was just, you know, he was the loveliest, loveliest guy, and you know, I think he's probably the best musician that we've played with, yeah. and you know. And, Graham came along and he's a bit like that as well. So, um, you know, when I say that, he drives with his headlights off. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good, you know, he's a good musician, as you know. You listen to him every weekend. Oh, uh, we- looky, you both go um, above and beyond for the Champagne Jam. So let's talk a little about, excuse me, a little bit about Champagne Jam. Tell us all about it, Glenn. Tell us about <laughs> Champagne Yeah, a Champagne Jam, I think, started off, we're, I'm guessing, so we've done more than 500 and something champagne jams. Oh, but what that, an achievement. Yeah, well, you know, and you've got to give Graham the credit for that because it's all the work that he's done over the years, particularly putting charts together, has really made it successful because people come along and say, can you do that song? And he goes, yeah, I've got a chart for that. So it means that, you know, if you've got a bass player around and a guitar player around and a drummer around, they can look at the chart and, you know, and you can do a fair job of doing that song. So that made, you know, what would be a sloppy blues jam, I guess, turn into, a, you know, something that was quite musical. And Tuesday nights are a bit of a concert, really, with, a, you know, with largely a house band backing singers who come along and, um, and, and a group of other friends and musicians that rock up and from time to time and play. So it's just fantastic. But I say can't take too much credit for the success of that. That really is uh, Graham who's done all the work. Mm-hmm. My job is just to, you know, to make sure the night runs and uh, get people on and off and do that sort of stuff and, and chip in where I can play. But, you know, he's uh, he's amazing in in his ability to do charts. And because I said to him, he did, you know, used to do like 20 charts a week and so forth or My more. My goodness, so. yeah. Well, I'd take half a day to do one chart and it would probably still be wrong. And <laughs> Us. He's just amazing. I mean, you know, he's just got the ear. They're hearing it and they're he writing. Does. It. So he's, uh, you know, phenomenal. And Champagne Jam, I guess, has become not only like a music thing. It's 
become a place where, you know, lots of friends are coming to meet and people come up and, and just say, that, well, there's nothing like this around anywhere. Um, and it's, you know, and it's friendly and people get to know each other and the next next thing you know, they're up on doing a song together. So it's just been great. And we've been so lucky. Um, I guess it's good people attract good people because, you know, over the years it's just been, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people have probably come and gone, you mm-hmm, know, but mm-hmm. aren't, I can think of lots of them that were fantastic and that we loved and, and miss and they've you know moved away or, or moved somewhere else or, or stopped playing and things. But uh, And I can only think of really one or two that we ever had any issues with and, and even that wasn't, you know, anything major. Yeah. We had a guy <laughs> playing, um, I think he was playing trombone. Um, oh, my goodness. And yeah. it's a bit like what you hear in your head and what others hear are a different thing. So he, <laughs> it was trombone's a really loud instrument that's, that takes a bit of skill, I think, to hit the right note. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I, think, I, I, don't even, I don't know who someone had to say to him once that, sorry, mate, you know, you, you, you know people have said, could you please not play on my song? And, and he, he didn't understand it because he thought he was playing well. So, you know. Um, yeah. Oh, poor bugger. Yeah, and you know, but it was it was it, it was fun for a while because he was a lovely bloke and a real character, you know. Mm-hmm. He re- remember? Do you ever remember a, a cartoon that was the, had the big bad wolf and the three little pigs and I do that trumpet player and you yes. you got to get get real cool. I think he used to say. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Funnily enough, yes. Well, it was iconic. It was just for a musician. It was great. So you know, he reminded me of that, but. He wasn't quite. He he was the big bad wolf before he went to hell and came back. When he came back, <laughs> play really well. So, um, but you know, he was a lovely bloke. So mm. it's hard as circumstances. And I guess we've had people over the years that um, think they can sing, and some some you know how sometimes it's fun and people can sing, and it doesn't matter if you miss a note. But there are other people that just can't hold the note or know when to sing the note. So it's really hard. But we're so lucky that that's, you know, that's such a minor thing and we've had so many, you know, great people come through and so much talent that comes through and, you know, and we've got people like yourself and Rob who are coming every week now and, and filling slots and, um, you know, Trevor, an Elvis guy that's been coming recently and we had a Tom Jones guy come for a few weeks. So and oh, all, good, yeah. And they all bring something, you know, and then we've got a few people that that have been coming right since day one. Mm-hmm. And um, how, how long ago is day one? Oh, look, I think it's... Would it I be like it, 15 years or something? Yeah, I think it's over 10 years. I'm At not least. sure. I know the exact date because he's a, a very meticulous record keeper. He probably, probably knows the songs that got played on that diet. Oh, my goodness. But, he um he's yeah he's very good at that but it's certainly been ten years and we're we're way over five hundred. We started off uh, at the family inn on on Victoria Road and I think he we were there for about eight weeks. So I was uh, I was mates with Graham at that stage because we've been he would been playing in a couple of bands I've been playing in mm-hmm. and we started going and uh, you know just we we became pretty good friends and you know we. We stuck at it and we sort of, you know, once we moved to Dundas, we, we sort of hit a formula and um, it's been going ever since. And more recently, we started on a Monday night now, which is more, uh, you know, I mean, Freestyle. there's no rules about this, but Monday's more open and more of a jam. And we, I think we tend to get more guitarists coming through uh, on a Monday night 
because they like, you know, guitarists like to jam a bit. Yes. Um, so And solo. Like, but it's still a bit of struggle. <laughs> still, you know, all the charts and stuff that we have still means that the song's got a bit of structure and it's not, you know, not made up on the spot and, and you, you don't have four or five people doing a similar version of the same song but not the same song. So it, it yeah. works good. Mm. And it, I, we were saying this week that the crowd coming on a Monday is about the same size as it comes on a Tuesday now, which oh, is... Oh, that's uh, good, really good. Good. And, and you look, some people come, they're musicians, and, and you know them and you go, mate, you're a, why don't you play? You're so good, we know you're good. And they say, you know what? I love listening and I just come here to talk to a few mates and listen to the music and have a drink, you know. So yep. it's just cool. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. So uh, tell the listeners all about when they can uh, go to the Champagne Jam, where it's at, which we've discussed oh. timely a little bit, and uh, yeah. can they I contact will. you on Facebook through that? They can. Look, Champagne Jam is on Facebook. And, and if they contact Champagne Jam, that they'll get to talk to Graham, who coordinates um, the bookings for Tuesday night. Monday nights are, are open. You can just turn up on the night. So, so Champagne Jam is from uh, 7.30 to 10.30 on Mondays and Tuesdays. It's at Dundas Sport and Rec Club, who have been absolute marvellous uh, in supporting live music and in particularly helping us with Champagne Jam. So they've been just a wonderful partnership so mm. uh, so if you if you want to if you feel like you need to sing a song or play a song and you don't want to plan too much rock up on a monday and we usually squeeze you in mm. uh if you something on tuesday which is a little bit more formal and structured and, and has a house band you need to sort of contact graham and say hey i'd like to come next week and i'd like to do these two songs is that okay and he'll say uh yeah we can do those or, or no sorry we're not good at death metal but um <laughs> We're good at yeah, we're good at most other things. So, but you know, uh, we've had metal guys there. So sometimes you know we've had a, a young group of kids that are playing sort of metal stuff. It's probably not our scene, you know, in a way. But um, you know, it's music's music, and people seem to like the fact that all types of people come. And we've had you know country guys, and we've had rock guys, and we've had metal guys, and we certainly get a, a lot of folkies and any everywhere in between. Yeah. So it's no rules about them. Yeah, you know what's uh, really surprised me is seeing these young kids and there's a there's a young girl in particular, I'm not sure what her oh. name is, and she yeah. has this big Les Paul. I mean, it must weigh as much as what she does <laughs> and she just rips it out. It's just like, Absolutely. where did that come from, from such a little girl? Always <laughs> Every time someone wants to do sweet child of mine um you know graham and i go oh you you play it (laughs) (laughs) we're all we're all really clumsy at playing that riff and she comes along and plays it yep so fluently and beautifully and you know she yeah she you know and her brother by the way who's playing yes amazing and they're just you know they're going to be stars i mean they are now really and you know she played salt and swing uh on last tuesday you know, which is one of my kind of favourite songs that I do like to play it. Um, but, you know, I get nervous every time I play it because unless you're sort of doing the Noffler sort of sound, you know, mm. people are expecting that. And I had a little yak to her and I said, oh, you know, I bet you've been learning that for a while. And she said, yeah, I learned it last Saturday. Oh, my God. 
and you know, she did a marvelous job of it and uh you know we were we were, we were amazed because it's a it's a you know it's a difficult song because of the feel that mark Knopfler has and, and the tone that he has plays mm-hmm. and, and you know she was fantastic but everything she plays is good she's just obviously got you know a very uh, good musical gift and she's going to be wonderful if she sticks at it she's going to be amazing oh absolutely she's just got and you can tell when she gets upset with herself because she her face screws up and she's <laughs> like oh my god i've made a mistake and i don't like it i know we <laughs> all at that you know it's, it's so funny because everyone knows that if you don't give it away if you keep your poker face on people really can't tell you know what I mean? Especially when there's a drummer and a bass player, you can you can you can hit a lot of bum notes without people really noticing. But us guitarists always pull a face or we whoever's making you made a mistake, you know. It's yes, so yes, all do it. We all do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you just, just kept our faces straight and, and played on. No one would know most of the time. Yeah. Uh, so, Glenn, who or what was your earliest inspiration or influence when you were young? <laughs> You know, I was thinking about this, and you'll you'll laugh at this. So the earliest music I can remember listening to with any seriousness was Rolf Harris. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Good on him. We had a, I don't know, we had a a car, and we must have had a cassette player, a portable cassette player, and, you know, to keep me quiet, mum and dad would let me listen to stuff on the cassette player, and we had a... Uh, Rolf Harris was the one of the earliest ones I can remember, and um, um, you know, it was. Yeah, you know, I can't even remember some of the songs. They were they were adult songs. They weren't even his kids' songs. One of them was like "Have Some Madeira, My Dear" or something like that. But you know, I loved them, and I loved listening to those tunes. And you know, he's not a very popular man anymore, and no. uh, uh, can, uh, supports him for for being like that. And and. It, Obviously, no one knew until later in life, but you know he was still an amazing influence on kids in Australia, in particular. And could you bear in his show on TV? So that's the first thing. And then I used to go and send away on holidays, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, as you do. And um, one of my aunts and uncles had quite a few Beatles records, so I remember really listening to the Beatles. This was before I really had any understanding of, of music, and they also had a piano, which I remember trying to play along to the Beatles on the piano <laughs> and I'm wow. sure that was very unmusical but um so they're my earliest so, you know so the Beatles I think anybody that's around my age um mm. probably had a Beatles phase at one stage pretty hard to avoid the you know the, well Glenn the... I I happen to know that you still love the Beatles <laughs> I do love the Beatles I don't play them as much as I as I used to but I love all all their songs that have sort of got that you know that strong backbeat, which was a lot of them are just so great for dancing and and people like them. Oh, so oh yeah, definitely. But you know I was, I was I was probably more a Paul guy than a John guy. But later later years I really was listening to George a lot, and I loved a he had a few good albums out, and he was a, an amazing um, slide guitar player, which he. He was so modest and quiet. I think George would go to a gig and then he'd go home and garden or something, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Look, I've seen a few things with um, the guys. I think it's called Get Back, actually, and it's when they right. get yeah. go back in the, into a studio because they've got a show to do. I, I'm not exactly sure on the logistics yep. of all that, but you see, just like uh, George is there with his like 
guru fella sitting in the corner or not in the corner but you know what I mean sitting there and and um Paul is like really directing everybody on what to do and John John's having his say and poor old George just sits there and doesn't say much at all I'll play whatever you want me to play Paul (laughs) (laughs) that's the one and he does it with such finesse too yeah well you know I saw Paul McCartney talking about that because he was worried because he knew that he had that reputation and he said when he saw the movie, he was quite relieved because it showed just how much they did love and, and care for each other and how, mm. you know, moments like everybody who, you know, is in a room all day, every day with someone, eventually you, you spit the dummy with them. But, <laughs> yes. they, you know, they they were mates and it was amazing. And I think John and Paul were mates before. Uh, sorry, um, John and George, Paul and George were mates before they met John. You know, he was yeah. the one that did system so it's a lovely story and you know it 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 seems like it should be a movie because it seems so you know like unlikely to have happened yet it did and it was you know i I think it's probably still is the biggest thing that happened on a you know on a worldwide level musically they were just a phenomenon absolutely you know you'd hate to think of what the world would be like without the beatles yeah you know and, and and their songs are clever and they were, you know, and even their simple songs I really like. I mean, I'm a big fan of if a song sounds good on an acoustic guitar, it's a good song. And, yeah, right. You know, all their songs, or a lot of their songs, and probably not all of them, but most of their songs you can sit around a campfire and sing along with a guitar too and, and they work. Uh, and, so you know, they, everybody knows at least some Beatles songs. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely, you know. And I think, you know, I that's probably a constant. I got guitar lessons when I was a kid off a guy who lived up the road who, you know, um, I guess, you know, without me really being conscious of it, was a pretty big inspiration on me. And he loved John Denver. Oh, and cool. As a result of that, I ended up knowing, you know, most of John Denver's catalogue at that time. Um, and I remember years later, uh, you know, I went to, I outgrew that guy in guitar lessons and I went to someone else and I took him a record and said, I want to sound like that. You know, he said, but that's an orchestra. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. So you're saying I can't sound like that? You know, he's saying, well, you know, you can, you can do bits of it, but you know, it was very funny because you know, when you start out, you don't have any idea, like, you know, tuning your guitar. um, And you know, the first step is learning how to tune your guitar. And I I reckon that took a year. (laughs) (laughs) By ear. You know, oh, and it's, we're so spoilt now with all our, um, yeah, you know, our tuners and stuff. But you guys, well, yeah, better by ear. I guess the difference now is that everyone in the bands tune to the, the same. same. Pitch, but, you know, all the good guitarists are saying that you know tuning it to a tuner is okay as a starting point, and then they tweak it from there to yeah. you know, they sweeten the tuning a little bit because the guitar is such a. Uh, an imperfect instrument really yeah what you notice though is uh on a lot of different tracks or ever from a lot of different bands and artists is you listen to it on the radio or on a on a uh, mp3 or cd or whatever you've got and you try to play it and you go hang on i'm in the key of d but it doesn't sound right it's more like they're playing um like e flat Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So they're just that slight bit out, but they're all that slight bit out. Yeah. So, you notice that 
when you try to play along with Rolling Stones. Yeah, and ACDC in some songs too. Yeah. Well, yeah. stuff on, you know, I think they um, record things to tape first. And, you know, with the Beatles, they were saying, you know, in the early days where you didn't have the machines that you have now, you're, you know, you're only able to use a very small number of tracks. I think their first things were just two tracks and they were recording everything live and then they got a four-track machine and, and ultimately 16 tracks and bigger came in. But they were, you know, the tapes were stretching. And, and mm. you know, reading something fascinating today about, um, um, I think it was Muddy Waters or, or one of those guys. Who was the guy that went down the crossroads? Was that Muddy Waters? No, oh, down the crossroads, uh, that was um, Robert Johnson. Uh, Robert Johnson. So yeah. they reckon that they've discovered that all his recordings were sped up because they wanted to fit them exactly onto the record. So they sped them up and they reckon that. Interesting. Yeah, they worked it out, but they worked out that it should have been. And someone slowed the songs down and they go, yeah, it sounds so much more natural now than it did before. So, you know, but I mean, I guess the point is that technology impacts on music and, you know, the Beatles stuff was was um, the way that they played in the beginning had to be recorded in one go. And then as they got better, the, the industry and the technology matured and they were able to use the technology, be it at the beginning, cutting up tapes and reversing them and doing all sorts of clever stuff. And then later on, you know, the bigger machines came in and they were able to do like Sergeant Peppers and mm. take as they want. So they were just, they were just the right band at the right time in the right place. You know, Absolutely. Absolutely. So how did you get your start? In, in the music industry, who was your first band or first duo well, that you played with and what age, if you don't um, mind me asking? I um, oh, Gee, that's a good question. Um, I think at my first band I was in, I was probably 18 or 19, but I remember playing at a high school in something and being absolutely terrified. Um, um, it was really funny when I was I was at school. There were a couple of the guys that had, you know the music guys, which I was a I was a sports guy really. Oh. Um, guys that were were musicians, you know, just were musicians. You know, that's what they were, and they had bands, and they were doing Doobie Brothers stuff, and they were just <gasps> unbelievable, wow. you know. And I, you know, I I think I started learning guitar when I was thirteen or so, so I was still you know, able to strum a few chords and do stuff. But, you know, um, anything beyond that was just magic. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Then I got into a band, I think it was called uh, Exit, I think was the band. Uh, uh, and our first paying gig was at a place called The Log Cabin, which is still there. It's yes, a, it it's is. Sorry, yeah. the lolly shop now, but it used to be a bar. And I think I was the oldest in the band and I would have, I would have just been 18 or 19. And I think one of the other guys was about my age. Our lead singer and our lead guitarist was a 15-year-old. No way. His name, I think his name was Stephen Crosker. Haven't seen him since those days. He was he was always going to be a star. He was a great singer and a, and a good player. And he had the groove, you know. Yeah. Um, he was really good. And I was giving him guitar lessons for a while and then he was just got better than I did. So he said, <laughs> start a band, you know. And then we had a drummer who wouldn't have been 18. And we, our first gig was this, and they didn't pay you in money. They paid you in beer. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, this was eighty. So what might have even been in the 70s. It might have been in the late 70s. So, yeah, it was, you know, it was, um, 
five miles out of Lithgow, out of town. And, and you know, I was really lucky because I've never had the drinking gene. So I'd have Good. a beer you know, and I, I never, you know, the number of times I've been drunk in my life are, are fairly On one hand. far between. <laughs> uh, I've never had that in me and uh, I guess it's a good thing but one of the other boys liked to drink so um, that happened and you know it's just such a stupid thing and it doesn't happen today and it's a good thing so but back then you know drinking and smoking and music and gigs and pubs it was the scene you know and the, the smoke come down overnight and so you know so that was my first band and it wasn't a great success we did do a few gigs and uh, then I met a country guy and I started playing in a, in a country band and uh, his name was um, Bones. His name was Ken Bones Malawi. He was a, uh, uh, a grader driver or a planned operator, I think they called them. There was so much construction around Lithgow in those days that uh, there were, there were, you know, the workforce were coming and going all the time. So he and I, uh, I don't even know how we met, but we kind of hit it off. He was probably, he seemed a lot older than me. He was probably 30, I guess. And, uh, you know, he was a good, good uh, country singer. And okay. yep. he and I, another mate, um, won a country music contest at Parks. It wasn't anything to be writing home to mum about, but it was uh, audience, based on audience applause and things we won it. I think uh, I was playing banjo. <laughs> you play banjo, Glenn. I don't now, but I was playing it for a while. I, I, I'm... I like finger picking, so banjo yes. felt quite natural. I'm not very fast with a plectrum, but I'm not bad with my with my fingers. So yeah, yeah. I was playing banjo for a while, and we won it with a, uh, a our own rendition of uh, I think it was Grandma's Feather Bed. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know those competitions where they say, "Let's hear it for these guys," and the crowd goes, "Yeah, you know." So we got the biggest round of applause, and and I, I do have a little plaque somewhere that says, "I think we call ourselves GKG." Because it was Gary, Glenn, and Ken, or you know. yeah, oh, that's so cool. I learned a lot out of that because that was um, that was great fun, and I was, you know, I was a relatively average guitar player at that stage, and I think I improved a lot because just playing in front of people and uh, doing playing regularly is is so good for you. And yes, I, I learned lots of stuff that I, I still like, I like Slim Dusty and John Williamson, and um, you know, people like that, and who were quite young and I, I think the best thing that happened then I stumbled across Willie Nelson mm -hmm. he just had um blue eyes crying in the rain came out I think oh, and I was going beautiful oh, you know and uh so I sort of he's been one of my you know secret loves throughout my life I don't think anyone sings and plays like Willie Nelson no uh, they I, don't <laughs> he's such a you know he's such a cool dude and uh he is, yeah, I think he's wonderful. And, he, you know, you, he's a country guy, but he listened to Django Reinhardt and those jazz guys. So he got all of that stuff. And you can hear it in the way he plays and so forth. So I think he's, you know, a, a genius. Um, and I, you know, probably, is he my favourite? I, I think he's, I think if I had a chance to, to jam with someone, I'd go for him. Yeah, I right. He's just, uh, you know, as on the same vein, you know, later on, I, one of my good mates um, whose name is Max Sledge, who that's his stage name, his name's Guy Hewitt, mm -hmm. he, he uh, was in the FUDs originally and he, he and I played in a country band called Max Sledge and the Tender Mercies, which we stole from a, 
from a Robert Duval movie of the same name. But we thought it was such a good name, and we were, we were. I think we were acting more than than singing or playing. But it was such fun, and we we did a few country jobs, and we ended up doing a gig at um, at uh, Dungog for a for a polo event with Kerry Packer hosted. So we were in, a, we were playing for Kerry Packer. And oh wow! They. And had breakfast at the pub. Here's Kerry Packer. He didn't actually talk to us and say, gee, you guys are really good or, or anything like that. But we'll go, hey, we're over there. You know, That's a bit of a claim to fame there, Glenn. Well, the claim to fame is, you know, the, the thing I remember most about that night is not the music or the song. So it was great fun because we were playing. Back in those days, you kind of played. They say, oh, can you do... Uh, I think it was 50-50. I think they still called it. There's, you had to do some dinner music and then a bit of dance music after yep. that. Yeah. When you get to play dinner music, it's just make stuff up and, and play instrumental kind of stuff, which is so much fun. I mean, it's fraught with danger because it can be train wrecks, but we love doing that sort of stuff. And then, you know, we, the dance stuff. But we were playing with a, a couple of country guys, one guy um, who's passed away now, unfortunately, um, but he was a great country player, a really good musician, a really good singer. Mm-hmm. But he loved songs like, I got a tiger by the tail, it's hard to see. <laughs> we were doing stuff with him. The thing that, that both my mate Guy and I remember from that weekend was the smell of those two guys. They stunk. <laughs> and we had to say, like, we go, what's that smell? You know? Oh, my God, that's so funny. funny. I think sometimes good musicians smell. There you go. <laughs> so that's one funny story. Have you got another funny story for me, Glenn, oh, from any gig or any? of funny stories. Um couple of good fun moments we one of my friends is funny one of my friends just rang me from Lithgow and said hey I'm in Lithgow I'm at the Lithgow Workmen's Club and I'm having dinner there thinking of moving to Lithgow and and I said and I said oh yeah I played there (laughs) (laughs) it's a really good club so we used to play downstairs at the workies and the radio station had a jingle for downstairs at the workies you know this weekend (laughs) and one gig we played there and the fuds were never very good at knowing whether we could get through a whole song. You know, people would go, yeah, I know that. We'll just do that one, you know. <laughs> a Beatles song called Oh Girl. Oh, yes, and, yes, yes. Is there anybody out there going to hear my story all about a girl who came to say? And then when it got to the bit, oh, girl, and the boys tried to sing harmony, it just <laughs> And I looked around and the guy's gone. They were, they were just couldn't stop laughing and they ducked out the back to, to sit out in the change room for, to calm down. And I was sort of looking around there and I was by myself and I'm going, well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, I think we'll be right back in a few minutes. <laughs> it, was, it was very, you know, we still laugh about that one. Every time we go and try and play that song, of course, that comes up. And the other very funny time was um, we, we, you know, we played around Lithgow at places and, we played at Orange uh, a few times, and Orange was a bit of a, a scene because it had an ag college and young girls going to uni and so forth. And we played there, and we were the fuds were a bit daggy even then, but you know, we we <laughs> we had daggy. Uh, oh, we were daggy, yeah, we were, da- we were like you know, but our songs kind of worked, and as you said before, no one else was playing them because well, they were bad songs probably, but they <laughs> no, they just weren't. You know, everyone wanted to play the same 80s rock that they're playing now or the, the 70s, the Angels and all that sort of stuff. So we weren't playing that. And it worked for us sometimes and it didn't work. But, you know, we had a really big night there. Yeah. 
um, and while we were packing up, a couple of girls came up to us and said, oh, oh, we're going off to a party now. Do you guys want to come? <laughs> <laughs> and we, we looked at each other and said, oh, no, we got to pack up and drive home. <laughs> Later on, we were Oh, we're stupid, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> but also, too, what Allah, what the public don't realise is it can take between, well, for the duo it takes like half an hour flat to pack up, right? Yeah, yeah, but for yeah. a band it takes a little bit longer. And yeah. It's like we've just played for three or four hours. We have yeah. to pack up now for an hour. We're a little bit tired. Well, back in those days that we didn't have as much gear, like I reckon I carried twice as much gear. So I reckon... We would probably set up in half an hour back then because oh, it was just wow. you know, two speaker boxes and a mixer, and you know it was mainly vocals that were in there. If you had, you're lucky if you had foldbacks. Sometimes you did. Uh, that's, like, we've got a good story about our foldbacks catching on fire one night. That was good <laughs> Someone said you guys should call yourself the Flaming Monitors. Because <laughs> it caught on fire and people were going, "Is that part of the show?" Like, <laughs> How the hell did they catch on fire, Glenn? Oh, that you know. Well, we're so lucky now. The gear is so good. Back then, everything was underpowered. Like high-powered amplifiers weighed a ton, so you yeah. you'd have to have them. So they were overpowered, and, and you were pushing them too hard. And and the speakers get hot. <laughs> they caught them. <laughs> oh, that's classic. The fact that people said, "Oh, is that part of the show?" It's kind of like, um. No. Really funny. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a nerd. I'm a gear nerd. So I think I got into music just as much because I like all the, the gear and I, I love valve amplifiers and all that technology. So, you know, I, I was always interested in that side of it. And we remember the gear we had and they were WEM, which is a British brand of gear and, and they caught on fire. But um, the other time we played in, in a nearby town called Bathurst. So, you know, there's Lithgow, Bathurst and Orange as you're sort of heading west out of Sydney. And there's a pub in our, Bathurst, I think it was called The Occidental. And we're having a nice afternoon there. Yeah. And way through our gig, a bunch of bikies came in. <laughs> <laughs> One of the bikies took a little bit of a shine to our bass player, which was uh, my mate Guy, who, who uh, who's not in the FUDs anymore. He's, he moved to Lithgow and, you know, had a family and so forth. So, um, but he was, uh, you know, but he was, would have been my best mate at the time we shared a house uh and he uh he got the attention of one of the bikies and the bikie decided to come up and and try and mount guy's leg oh no uh, yes so the bikie was making love to guy and guy was looking at us and saying what do we do fellas and, and we were sort of saying well just relax and smile guy you know? <laughs> Keep and you know so they turned out to be nice guys but they were you know we were a bit uh terrified at the time but <laughs> so, you know. and I think our funniest night ever was we um JB um has a family up up around um uh Armadale um and Tamworth that area I was a little place Bendemere is a little place Bendemere, between. Yeah, yeah we get up that way a little bit and then one year somehow we got a gig at a place called Boom Eye which is as the name suggests, uh, way out in the boondocks. Boondocks, yeah. <laughs> past Moree, nearly in Queensland, uh, and they had mud trials, so we played at the Boom Eye Mud Trials. <laughs> we always seem to play in School of Arts halls, you know, the old town. Yeah, I do. Isn't that School funny? School of Arts halls, mm -hmm. which were not – they often had stages, which was lovely. And um, 
they were, you know, usually tin sheds that, you know, you play a chord and it bounces back to you half a second later, you get the slap back from the back of the room. But all right, we're full of people. And my friend Di uh, was a smoker at that stage and he always smoked drum, so he'd roll his own drum. Oh, yuck. And yeah. And play, smoke and drink and do all, everything back then. So he was smoking, you know, drum and <laughs> playing a couple of young guys up the front of the stage were looking at him going, oh, give us a drag, mate, give us a drag. But he drag and they took it and raced off. And, and, you know, and they came back later on and said, oh, yeah, man, we're stoned. That was really good. You know, <laughs> guys, it was just tobacco, mate. You know? so they were hilarious. And then they, then they got sick, I think, because, they, you know. But it was funny. Silly they just players. thought you know, those cool rock stars are smoking joints on stage. And wow. <laughs> I'm sure that's happened before. Not with your band, maybe, but it has happened. Also. Oh, I'm sure it's happened. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, it's never happened on stage. We that old, but uh, you know, but that was that was a very funny. And it was it was like we hired a van and and the whole band went up in the van and it was you know it was Road you know trip. what those people want to do is do the gig, but it just seems like it's forever to get there and then you're waiting. So a lot of playing music is just waiting around for the. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But it was fun and, and you know, um, because of my f- friendship with John and the fact that he comes from that area, every now and again we get up there and, and have played up there. We played at uh, the Bendemeer Hotel a few times and John had a, a mate who was a farmer up there and as soon as we walked in, they'd already said, here's a beer, boys, drink them up, you know. The, the <laughs> but, you know, after a few, we were just trying to pour them into pot plants and stuff. <laughs> yes, especially if you've got a play. No, just have one more. <laughs> Now, Glenn, now, Glenn um, so I know you play guitar and now I know you play banjo. What else well, do you play? Oh, look, that, look, I'm not, you know, I don't even consider myself a musician really. I'm, when I do play guitar and that's, you know, my, my real love is probably acoustic guitar. Yes. Uh, if I only had one guitar, it would probably be an acoustic guitar. Though that new pink one I got is pretty nice. So. Oh, she's sweet. Um, so, she's you sweet. know, and... I'm, you know, I, I keep on buying more guitars, so I guess I, you know, but I've, I'm in love with, um, you know, guitars and, and the look and the, the feel, the smell of them and, and so forth. So that's what I mainly play. I mean, I did get some piano lessons for a while, but I certainly can't play piano other than, you know, hold a few notes down, a few chords down or something like that. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm very envious of the guys like, like Robbie Askew and, and that that can play all these instruments and play bass and piano and he plays guitar as well. So yeah. they're just, um, you know, amazing musicians. And I always I always cringe of using the word musician because I think I'm a guitar player because I know people who are musicians. <laughs> oh, Glenn. <laughs> Listen, oh, how I've heard you play and, yeah. and some of the um, – stunning country licks that you do i just it makes you the hair on the back of your neck prickle oh yeah and so glenn you are a musician (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah but it just depends on my thinking is you know these are people that are not only hearing melody and harmony it's a time thing as well it's what makes the one the really good ones is it's not so much what you play it's when you play yeah Uh, yeah their groove and feel and their rhythm is that's what I always you know that's what I always find impressive and and like people like Robin Graham you know I'm not you know, I've said it to Graham uh, before that he he's the groove man you know when I mean, you, you you watch the you watch the jams and 
people are going, how do we start this? How's it going? He'll go like this. And he'll, yeah. he'll say, a lot of the drummers, you know, are still listening to him for that too. Um, um, you know. Yeah, I'll, I see that. Hmm. We're very blessed with, with, the, with the talent that comes through the jam. But, um, you know, um, Graham and Rob are, 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 you know, I've played with them both. So I know when you play with them, they make you sound good and they make you play better. Because they're, you know, not only playing the right thing, they're playing it at the right time, and uh, it's just, you know, a pleasure to be playing with them. It sure is, but you're a very humble man, Glenn. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, you've you recorded a song or two, I believe. Um, I recorded, yeah. My my friends call it music to slash your wrist by. Oh, uh, Glenn. <laughs> Oh, we I, go. Uh, I it, doubt it, that that's true. <laughs> well, in the sense that every song seems to be about, you know, uh, uh, a breakup or a relationship failing or something, because that's what you're right about. It is. That. It is. So, Someone writes, well, they do. Yeah. But not, most of the good songs are written when people are down know, and out. Tragedy or mm. stuff. So, and I must admit, you know, I love that melancholy type of, you know, um, what do I do? I'm so sad, you know, my yeah, girlfriend's left. there's something about do? it. Songwriting, and, you know, fortunately for me, I guess, you know, my Noriko, my, my partner and I, uh, uh, I know we just, we just work together so well. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't think I've had an unhappy day since we've been together. So we need a bit more, uh, you know, up and down in our relationships so I can go away and write some songs. But, um, <laughs> but, Writing songs is just, I think, something um, that's inside you. And I, I certainly, you know, I think I've probably written half a dozen or ten or so or some, and some that aren't worth doing. But people like Paul Kelly always says you've got to write hundreds before you get good ones and you just keep on writing. And if you look at, you know, Willie Nelson, he's written so many songs, but he seemed to be good at it right from the start, like crazy for Patsy Cline, which, you know, which I know, You've done that one even at the jam. Yeah. Um, it's just such a well-crafted song. And um, so, you know, my songs are, 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 you know, usually start off with an acoustic guitar because that's what I like the sound of. And, 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 you know, you build from there. And they're usually, you know, um, about some sort of sadness. I can't remember ever writing a happy song. <laughs> well, I think we'll take this moment and I'll drop your MP3 into this uh, interview oh. here. Yep. Get a letter, say you wanna stay 
But Christmas cards are all to come my way Christmas cards on a piece of string Christmas cards, how the angels sing In my dreams I'm waiting for a train I know you're on it and I'm calling out your name But as it pulls out I'm still standing at the station And you're still on it seems it's not your Your destination Christmas Cards by Glen Way. Wasn't that just a really lovely, lovely song and great, great guitar playing? Well, that song is, um, um, do you remember, well, do you, I mean, you, 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 you'd remember when people used to send Christmas cards, of course. Yes. And I keep remembering my family, we used to go, you know, to one of the aunties or the grandmas for Christmas and they'd always have their Christmas cards on a string. Yeah. Oh, okay, yep. They'd hang a string across the wall and they'd sit all the cards on the string. Mm-hmm. For some reason, that memory always sits in my head and, you know, I guess this is about a breakup and the only time we really talk to each other is when we send a Christmas card and, you know, so Christmas cards on a piece of string is, is you know, so it's a mixture of different memories, but one of them from my childhood, you know, people, you know, remember we put Christmas cards in Venetian blinds and do all yeah, that? Yeah, and yeah. Nobody sends Christmas cards anymore. So most people go, what the hell are you talking about? But, you know, that's what it's about. It's about, you know, a relationship which was, you know, wonderful but ended and, you know, and as relationships go, you're still kind of friends, but you can't be friends. Um, no, not in the same way. Uh, no. Uh, you know, the only time you really communicate is when you get a Christmas card. And, um, yeah, that just stuck in my head. And um, it was my attempt to play slide like George Harrison. And I didn't do as well as George. But um, there's a lot of techniques you can use when you're recording songs to uh, to improve. And the wonderful thing about recording on computers is you get to have a lot of goes at it. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely true. So, uh, you know, and I, yeah. I just love that whole, I got heavily into the gear side of things and, you know, for I had a, I was very lucky I was living in a house and I had a big room to myself and I was able to set up a, you know, 
a pretend recording area and I recorded the, uh, anyone I could get. My, my niece was a good singer. My brother was a good singer and John sang lots of songs. So, you know, we just went through a phase where we were recording everything. Like, oh, how good is that? Because, you know, I don't, we don't have a quiet room for a start, so it makes it hard. But um, I sort of only record stuff now when you're trying to learn stuff and you, you want to listen to it or yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what that song's about. It's kind of, you know, they're funny how songs happen. Yeah, it is, and I appreciate um, that you've sent that along to me so we can add it in. Lovely. And um, I'd really like to thank you for your time this evening, Glenn. You're really a true gentleman. Ah, thank you so much. <laughs> and I look forward to seeing you on Tuesday night, eh? Fantastic. Thanks, Crystal. Thanks so much, Glenn. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, everyone, that was Glenn Way from the Fabulous Fuds and also from the Champagne Jam out at Dundas. Isn't he just the most fabulous guy? I love his stories, his energy, his guitar playing, and he's genuinely, genuinely a really great guy. Well, you have been listening to Conversations with Crystal. I hope you've had a great night tonight just like I have. So until next week, please stay happy, stay safe, stay cool, stay awesome and most of all, please stay tuned to this channel. Good night.